life on the farm is kind of laid back Ain't much an old country boy like me can't hack It's early to rise, early in the sack I thank God I'm a country boy Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm Raising me a family and working on the farm Days are all filled with an easy country charm Thank God I'm a country boy Well, I got me a fine wife, I got me old fiddle When the sun's coming up, I got cakes on the griddle Life ain't nothing but a funny, funny riddle Thank God I'm a country boy When the work's all done and the sun's set low Pull out my fiddle and the rosin up the bow Kids are asleep, so I keep a kind of low And thank God I'm a country boy I'd play Sally Gooden all day if I could But the Lord and my wife wouldn't take it very good So I fiddle when I can, work when I should And thank God I'm a country boy Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to These Go To 11, an unusual beginning, an unusual intro. This is Greg Dutcher. We are without Nathan Bell tonight. This is a first here on the podcast. Nathan is taking some much-needed vacation in um, California, so he is out there in the sunshine and uh, having a great time. I texted him earlier today. This is a bonus episode tonight. We thought it was perfect for Nathan to miss since he's not a baseball sports fan, which means he's probably not a Bible-believing Christian. But we have in studio the ineffable broadcast legend. Yes, I'm talking about Scott Perry. Um <laughs> It was here. Scott Perry is a good friend. He's not the legend I'm talking about, but uh, we're going to introduce him in a second. How are you doing here tonight, Scott? Wonderful, except for this cold. So if I'm, if you hear me hacking up a little bit over here, it's, just ignore it. Absolutely, absolutely. We will hit the cough button. Which <clears throat> hit the in, cough button. In, in this podcast, just means turn away from the microphone and hack. Uh, but no, we are rejoined. I think for the third time now with um, our good friend Steve Molesky. Uh, Steve is, uh, you can find him. All of this is in the, uh, show notes. Steve writes for the Masson, uh, sports blog, which is, uh, what does Masson stand for, Steve? Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. The Mid-Atlantic Sports Network. You can also hear him, uh, very often, particularly with the MLB season underway on, um, 105.7 The Fan. Uh, and because of the glorious age of the internet, Steve, you can listen to that anywhere online, correct? I guess so. Yeah, I've been on there about a thousand times this winter. So uh, I know, I know, I've heard you often. <laughs> and uh, Steve, since it's been a while, just give us a, a quick little bio of uh, yourself because we probably have some uh, new folks uh, tuning in. Tell us a uh, little Reader's Digest. Wow, let's see. Let's cut through thirty years in a few in a few sentences here. Yes, and I bore the crowd. But um, I'm local to Baltimore. I went to Perry Hall Senior High with Scott and Towson University, um, and so. Um, was lucky to get out of college and right into uh, broadcasting, which is uh, what I've done most of my life. And, and worked in Frederick. I worked in Richmond. I worked in Baltimore. Uh, fans remember uh, uh, with long memories. Might remember the days when I was at WBAL Radio for about six years, yes. and uh, moved over to uh, MassonSports.com and Masson, and do some work at now, of course, on one hundred five seven The Fan. So been a few places. Yes, yes. We are eager to uh, have you comment tonight, uh, Steve, on just Major League Baseball. We'll get to some Orioles stuff at the end. Because our audience is uh, broadening and is outside of the 
you know, greater Maryland uh, area, we thought it'd be good to talk about a little bit of Major League Baseball. And uh, Scott, other than a cold, I should have asked you for a, a brief bio. Give it to us again. <laughs> well, uh, I've been, I'm local too. Uh, I've been here my whole life, pretty much. Uh, lived, born and raised in Parkville, as were you. Yes. And uh, been an Oriole fan and a, back then a Colts fan my whole life. I was even a Bullets fan and a Clippers fan back wow. in the day. Um, anybody that's uh, older than <clears throat> however old we are um, will uh, will remember the Bullets and the Clippers being here. Uh, so I've been a fan my whole life. I met Steve in high school, and uh, we hit it off right away because we talked Orioles when we should have been talking algebra and geometry <laughs> and things that were uh, slightly more important. At least my parents thought so. I, yes. I think they're wrong, to be honest with you. But parents get these crazy yeah, notions. Yeah, I know. But, uh, so we met, and we've been friends ever since, and... Um, We've I've probably called Steve maybe seven thousand times yeah. <laughs> to talk about the Orioles during their during during games in my in my life and I'm sure a few late Steve, night texts yes and Steve uh, is probably sick of hearing me call him but uh, we we've talked we've been friends for a long time so it's good to be here um, I think I know enough to contribute a little bit I certainly don't don't know as much as Steve um, but um, I think it's a good combination and thank you for having me on. Yeah, no, this is a, a, a great time of year. And I have to ask, Steve, we talked about this before we went on air tonight. Um, sometimes you need to write one of your, your blog pieces um, as the game is winding down. And have, has, have you ever had a conflict like choosing your job over Scott's frantic texting? I'm just curious. <laughs> Yeah, when it's bottom of the eighth and the Orioles can multitask a few times there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, the the jobs of writing anymore. Back in the day, you know, like a great writer like Jim Henneman, who's still the official Mm. scorer for the Orioles, when he wrote for the Baltimore Sun and the Evening Sun, and I've talked to Jim about this many times. How the 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 change to social media and the instant news cycle. You know, he wrote his article on the Orioles. He went home. He got up the next day and read the News American to see what the competition had, yeah. and then casually went around his day having lunch and relaxing and hang out with the wife, then go to the ballpark at 3 o'clock and kind of start the work day. And now, with social media, basically, you're on when you're awake. You know, yes. With our phones now, you don't even have to hardly be awake. Right. You know, one eye open, and grab it next to the bed, put it on the counter, and, and, and check it out with so much is happening and tweeting and texting and blogging and writing and and now the most insignificant transactions, which would have been one line in Jim Henneman's story in 1970 or 80, are now a full blog, six or seven paragraphs. Wow. This guy got called up from the minors, or this guy's going from AA to AAA. So it's just the news cycle and the how it's changed is kind of crazy. Yeah. Uh, since that came up, Steve, talk to us. How does that work with, you know, I, I hear the phrase confirming a source? Because it'll happen, for, you know, I, I'll watch... Uh, you know, ESPN, and every so often they, and I'm not picking on them, or some other major sports outlet, will report something and then later have to retract it. Because I imagine things are happening in real time right? so quickly, coming in from so many places. Um, how does that work for you? Have you ever had something that's come in and you think, I better confirm this? How do you, I mean, how do you even go about that? I mean, I'm a little more conservative than most guys I know in the business now who... Twitter has changed the world for reporters, and now you have to be on Twitter and you have to be looking at Twitter constantly because yeah. that's where it goes first. Yeah. Uh, the, the process seems to be if, you, if, you, if, if one of the Warrior reporters right this minute got news of a trade that he felt comfortable reporting, he'd first put it on Twitter. Right. And then he'd go write a story about it. 
And uh, then he'd start compiling quotes and notes and stuff. And so anymore now, Twitter is where the news breaks, and you see it almost instantly. I mean, yeah. something is said in the clubhouse, and we're tweeting it seconds later. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost you're like you're there. Yeah. Uh, and that's the uh, it's it's just twenty four seven. It ne- it never ends. So it, it's created mistakes. Porter, sure. Reporters that either have external pressures from their bosses or internal pressures they put on themselves to be ahead of the pack to be first. Look at me, I had it first. Um, and and some of our bosses keep score that way. So guys, yeah. you know, like Buck Showalter said to me once, "Why is Twitter so important to you guys?" Yeah. And I said, "You know how you look at the scoreboard." I said, "Some media bosses look at the Twitter scoreboard. Right, That's our right. scoreboard." Yes. And so they're looking at looking at that. Like you guys are looking at the scoreboard to see if you're ahead of the Yankees. So that's why. And and but mistakes are made. I think there's more mistakes made now than ever because of the pressure to be first and just put something out. And 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 now there's so many outlets that are fan websites. And this guy has his own blog. I mean, you you don't have to be a quote unquote uh, credentialed media member to have an outlet. Yeah. And 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 we're, okay, there's a kid named Chris Cotillo who's in college hmm. who at 16 was breaking stories ahead of national reporters wow. who made who just somehow he made some contacts and he became like a national name in 15 16 years old. Wow. And he's a very good reporter. He writes for writes for some sites now and he goes to University of North Carolina and when he graduates he'll get a good very good job. Cuz he's beating Ken Rosenthal sometimes now. Wow. You know, at age at age 18 19. And so some of these kids, if you get know the right people, yeah. So was he was he able to to monetize that, Steve, in any way? As well, he's you know? he's working for. Uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's Bleacher Report or another one of the sites that he writes for. As he's a student, so he's wow. He's um, I think he's doing it the right way. He's getting his sheepskin. He's going to college. He's being a college student, but he's also being a baseball reporter who has developed a number of contacts. You know, which help him. You know, it depends on who your contacts are. Yeah. Some of those guys, like Ken Rosenthal, they have contacts. You know, internationally. Sure. Not just nationally, and so um, different teams. You know, the Orioles—they're kind of close to the vest. They yeah. don't release a lot of stuff to the to the local guys. Sometimes things break with a national reporter who hears it some uh, second or third hand. Interesting. And then comes back to the Oriole people to confirm it. So it, it's a real wild, crazy maze of reporting right wow. now. Well, so much because I was going to say, guys, I might do this uh, to make a little extra money, uh, Scott. <laughs> exactly, so, so do you, it. You, you two guys are my only contacts. Uh, so, Scott, I'm going to ask you first. You ask Steve. Get it back to me. Let's see if we can turn it into a little stream of extra income. <laughs> Steve, I do have a good question for you here um, related to what you just were talking about. You just got back from Florida, and I know we all kind of joke around. I was like, ah, Molesky's in Florida. He's <laughs> yeah. having a good time. He's on the uh-huh. beach. He's drinking margaritas. And I picked up from the airport, and you did not look relaxed. And, and <laughs> you looked like you were more stressed when you got back than when you left. Uh, give us a, a brief uh, day in the life of a typical uh, blogger, writer, slash, you know, whatever, um, in, in Florida on, on a spring well, training I think it's, day. It's very different in spring training because of the mm-hmm. schedule. Most days they play at 1 o'clock. Most days the regular season play at 7 o'clock. So the time schedule is very different. Uh, typical day for the Orioles, the clubhouse will be open to reporters at 8 a.m. Um, to 9 a.m. if it's uh, a home, even if it's a road game. And then you get some interviews and you write some stories and you tweet some information. And then let's say the Orioles are on the road, like I went to Fort Myers a couple times. That's a 90-minute drive. So eight, you get there at 7.30, you're in the clubhouse at 8.00. 
you're writing a few things at 9.15, you get in the car at 9.30, you get to Fort Myers at 11, you start writing some more. Around 12, you meet with Showalter for some pregame interviews, and then the game starts, and you write more blogs about the game. And it's very different in spring training because oftentimes you interview the starting pitcher during the game. Right. Yeah. This never happens when yeah. the season starts. Right. So the fifth inning, we're missing it because we're interviewing, you know, Ubaldo Jimenez about his outing, and then we go write a story about that. And so you hardly look up and see much of the game, and then they make 20 changes, of course. Right. So the scorecard you started with is a joke at the end of the game, and you're trying to keep tab of all that. Get some post-game interviews, write more, drive home, get to the hotel at 7 or 8, and write more for the next morning. So, no, I'm not asking anybody to feel sorry for me, but it is a, it's, a, it's a demanding schedule, but that's, I think... Uh, Ball writers, as they call them, are used to that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, uh, you, you mentioned to me before, that, and you, constantly reading it, Buck, Buck Showalter's always saying things like, under the conditions, under the conditions, you know, the Florida conditions. I, explain what that means. I know it's windy down there, but other right. than that, I, the, the, the average fan, I don't think, really knows what he's saying. Yeah. Except it's bad conditions. Well, I think he when he says conditions in, in spring training game, it's it's a wide can be wide ranging everything from wind, like you said, which is different at one o'clock in Florida than it is at seven o'clock, and the ball might fly out in a ten yeah. eight game that if we're played at seven might be four to three, um, but the field, the lighting, the uh, field conditions, the infield might be rock hard in a in a spring training site mm. where it's manicured beautifully in Camden Yards. The clubhouses are small. The dugouts are different. The batter's eye mm. in a major league stadium is very uh, set up for the hitters to see the ball well. You mm. might not see it as well. Buck always says the sky, the ball coming out of the stands in spring training is very different than the regular season. And it's why you see some guys look goofy chasing fly balls. They just don't see the ball. So it's virtually almost everything is very different. And while you're evaluating, he's trying to keep that in mind. So it really makes it hard to know, you know, who's having a great spring and who's not because they're not always evaluating just off the statistics. I think the average fan looks and they see we lost 15 to four or something. And that's all they think. Oh, my gosh. The the pitching was awful. We stink. Blah, blah, blah. But. There's a lot of other factors, obviously. A lot of factors. And, I mean, spring training means one thing for Chris Davis and one sure. thing very different for Paul Yanish, who might be fighting for a roster spot. Chris Davis has got a spot. It might mean one thing for Chris Tillman and something very different for Dylan Bundy, who's right. trying to prove he's healthy and can make a roster spot. So um, spring training is very different for different guys. So, so you're saying that $161 million pretty much guarantees you a spot on the <laughs> roster? Which I think he does, yes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm trying to get the same agent for me here at church, yeah. uh, Steve. Well, right now, if you, let me know, if let you me know do. how that works yeah. out for you. Greg. <laughs> Whoever, I mean, Scott Boris is the best. I, I mean. know, I know. I'm, I'm asking just him. Our our current trustee team, guys at the church, is not willing to talk to Scott Boris. I'm not sure what that's about. But <laughs> I'm going to see what I can do. Uh, let me back up here a little bit, guys. On on, on the broadest um, uh, <clears throat> issue related to baseball. When I was in college, I had a um, a uh, guy named Dr. Han, local guy to this area, was a Calvert Hall grad, total baseball fan. <laughs> and I remember he went off script one day and he gave a lecture. He, I think he had based it on an article that he had read recently. But he gave a lecture on why baseball is the purest American sport and probably the purest sport there is, period. A <laughs> couple of highlights. I don't want to give it all away because I'd love to pick your guy's brain on this. Um few of the things he said is it's it's one of the only games that sort of um, 
unfolds on its own mechanics where football, hockey, basketball are controlled by a clock. Baseball is controlled, obviously, by the by the offense and defense and what happens. You know, there, there are three outs, and if that takes five minutes, uh, one half uh, inning, or if it takes an hour and a half because of delays and you know, great hitting, bad pitching, uh, uh, you know, so it is. It's typically, at least it was, played outside in a park as opposed to inside in a stadium um, that's much more open, etc., um, one of the you only need to games. break it to your George Carlin. I was just right gonna. Now. I was thinking the same <laughs> yeah. thing. That was that's rigidly exactly timed. Right. Yeah. Yes, there might right. be sudden death. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's in right. baseball. We, we, go go we, we go home. We go home, guys. I'm, you see, you guys are dating yourselves. <clears throat> yeah. Ten, yes, we ten are. years before me, but I I know Carlin well. So yeah. those are those are some of the things that that he threw out. The reason I throw this out is it seems to me the NFL is the uh, is the reigning. Queen right now in terms of um, money. I know it's a what eleven or twelve eleven billion billion dollar industry. Um, I mean, I'm a huge NFL fan. I'm, I'm sort of on the fence on this. It's clearly for me not basketball or hockey, and God forbid soccer. That's you know competing for my interest. But I love baseball uh, partly because I played it and I didn't play football. Had wonderful local memories as you guys have, you know, with uh, our own Baltimore team. Um, I'll start with you, Steve, uh, be an advocate for that position. I think you are, uh, as you said earlier, before we sort of went live tonight, uh, you, you've kind of attached your whole career to this, obviously. Right. Um, just, just talk us through why, why do you think baseball is the purest sport, the best sport, whatever you would call it? Well, I mean, I think baseball, um, if you look at revenue, like you mentioned, the eleven billion baseballs at nine or ten. Baseball is okay. pushing the NFL now, yeah. uh, and I'm getting off track here. But and Scott has heard me say this before. I believe two things make the NFL bigger than baseball that baseball can't compete with, and that's gambling on the games, mm-hmm. and that's fantasy sports. It tailors to that. Yeah. So guys are watching five different games because of my fantasy receiver and my tight end <laughs> right. and my kicker, and you don't have – you can't. it doesn't translate to baseball, though there is fantasy baseball. But, I mean, it's, it's just a great pure sport. Uh, I think in this current age of fast and, and video games, it's lost some kids who lose the nuances of it, the yeah. positioning of the fielders and things. Things that diehard fans like us see that the average fan doesn't see. Oh, look, Hardy shifted over two steps. I yep. wonder why he did that. Oh, look, the outfield shifted here. Um, the pitcher's going to throw here. He just threw the ball by him. No, he'll so throw him another fastball, right? Because yep. he didn't catch up to it. So you can guess along. I like to guess what pitch the guy might throw right. and see how he's getting him out and, and adjustments that are made. There's so much that's a thing, really a thinking man's game that I think some people don't have the patience for. Yeah. And you couple that with a long season right. where they're like, geez, they play every night. I mean, they're used to football. They got time to catch their breath. Right. And the right. games are coming rapid fire mm-hmm. for 162. And, 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 and literally baseball guys get off like two days a month, you yeah. know, on average. So uh, it's very different than football. And uh, I think there's a lot of great things about it. Interesting. about you, Mr. Perry? Well, you and I have talked about this before, and I, I you know, I, if somebody comes to me and say baseball's too slow, it, there's not enough action, there's mm-hmm. too much downtime, I, I don't have any arguments for mm-hmm. them. 
because it is a slow game. Let's sure. face it. It's I mean, there's moments when it to me it's the most dramatic, exciting game there is. Agreed. But there's times when it's when it there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of routine in baseball. Yeah. Three up, three down for six innings. So there's maybe two hits or something like yeah. that. But my my I will go to my grave defending it as the purest game. There's yeah. no do-overs. Um, like we've talked about this. Um in the NFL or any any football game. You could literally throw a flag on any play. Yes, and, and they it, do. And, right. Sometimes <laughs> it they seems do. Seems like it, yeah. So the refs have so much control. And right. we're watching basketball. And I love watching basketball. Sure. But you and I both know we watch games where that we see five fouls and they don't call anything. Yeah. And then in the beginning of the game, or, or vice versa, there's a, somebody touches somebody else and that's a foul. Yeah. And then the next thing you know, your star player has four fouls, so he can't play. So yeah. it changes the entire game. Yeah. And now with replay in baseball, they can almost get it 100% correct. Yeah. It's fair or foul, he's out or safe. There's a few judgment calls. Balks, balls and strikes can still be, uh, you know, uh, uh, subject to some, some some interpretation, although it shouldn't be. Right. Um, but it's the most pure game. And mm-hmm. I know there's games when a team wins 9-1. to one, Yeah. And it's like there wasn't anything. But, but it's pure. Yeah. I watch, you know, a college game, and at the end of the game, a team's up by, by 12, but now they're, they foul on every play. They foul, right. foul, stop the clock, miss a free throw, and all of a sudden they're back in the game. But it's almost, in my opinion, it's almost artificially... Created, yes. Created. Yeah, where that couldn't happen in baseball. No, just no. And I love. We were talking about the time clock. You, you, you have to get the last out. Right. Theoretically, there's never a a a deficit that you can't come back from. Theoretically, it can. You can always come back in a baseball game. You get down by by two touchdowns with with you know twelve seconds left in a football game. It's impossible. You can't come back. But in baseball, you can. So I just think it's the best pure game. And I love all sports. I also like I like the day in, day out of baseball. Yeah. I love the fact that, you know, I get up on a Tuesday morning and it's a blah Tuesday. There's not a whole lot going on. But I got a ball game to watch. Absolutely. That, that matters. Yeah. You know? And so I, I, I enjoy that. Yeah, it's very workmanlike. And some so there's a lot of workmanlike games where it's four to one. Somebody hits a three-run homer in the third inning and not a whole lot else happens. But I that's my personality. I like that. That grinded out day in day yeah. out type thing. You know, so Buck Showalter says one thing that's interesting. <clears throat> you know, if you're a football or basketball team, and you're trying to come back late in the game, you can give the ball to your best running back on every play. Yeah. You can give it to your best scoring guard on every play to yeah. try to make the comeback. In baseball, the number eight hitter might be leading off. You know, right, you can pinch right. hit, but yeah. you only have limited pinch hitters, and the lineup's going to turn yeah. over, and nine guys are going to get a yeah. chance, and that's why it produces unlikely heroes in October. Yes. Small number of games, yeah. everybody gets in at bat. All of a sudden, yeah. the number nine guy is the hero and not, uh, you know, the, the, the cleanup hitter. So um, that's one of the beauties of it, too. And, and Showalter is also fond of saying it's the, maybe the only game, one of the few, where the defense has the ball. Yes, that's right. It's very unique in that <laughs> It way, is. Really. It is, right. which is, um, yeah, yeah, very interesting. And, and is it true, Steve, I've, I've heard this, uh, that of, of any individual skill set, the hardest thing to do in any sport is to hit that little ball with a stick? Uh, that's, I've been told that, you know, I mean, not that, you know, going up for a, you know, reverse layup or something is easy, but just, I mean, you know, I, I yell at these guys, but you know, uh, think about it. If, if you, 
miss seven out of ten times, it means you are an excellent hitter. Yeah. Right. Uh, where, where, where else? If you miss seven out of ten layups, right. you know, no, you're done. You're benched. I mean, you're yeah, not oh, benched. Yeah. You're cut. Uh, so uh, is that true, by the way? I don't know if there's a way to empirically I mean, it's, prove it's, that. It's got, yeah, I don't think there is either. But you're right. If you hit three hits out of ten, you'd, you're an all-star. And if a quarterback completed three out of ten, he'd be benched, right. you know, or a shooter three out of ten is having a bad day. So it's a game of failure, and I think the mental part of baseball dealing with that is tough. When I was in the minor leagues, you would see kids come from college where they had hit three eighty, and now two weeks into their pro career at Aberdeen, they're hitting one eighty. Yeah, and the look on their faces, yeah, was like unlike. I mean, it really was an, an education for me. It's like wow. this kid for the first time in his life, has failed at baseball. Yes. And he doesn't know if he'll make it. Wow. And he's scared to death. Wow. The look, look at the look on his face. Yeah. Because three weeks ago, he was in college, and he was the man getting ready to sign a million-dollar contract. Yeah. Now he's hitting 180. He doesn't know if he can get that fastball. And so uh, it's tough. It's tough to deal with that. And, and guys, you know, guys have bad years, and then they bounce back. Yeah. And guys get hurt, and now you're wondering – my arm is it going to be on my can I do what I used to do when I throw that ball so to me it's to me a baseball season is is like 40 chapters of a book and it's just fascinating to go through yeah to see it unfold because we don't know what July will bring you know we don't know uh, this guy looks great now but he might hit 100 next month and I mean it happens and he'd be in the minor leagues and things you don't foresee and who came up that we didn't expect and who was better than we thought who was worse than we thought all of this is going to happen under to to me personally an enormously interesting six months of a season that's going to unfold in front of us and be fascinating to watch and I tell people that aren't real baseball fans I said you can't watch one baseball game the way you watch a football agreed because that game the one baseball the one football game is a huge part of the season yeah one baseball game it's just a small little chapter yeah you know you you almost have to be look at you know when we talk baseball we don't necessarily talk about the night's game but we're talking about who's pitching tomorrow exactly who's going to pitch the next day when do the red Sox come to town we we have to work our pitching so it's it's so much about what's going to happen in the future because it's it the season is so long you can't live and die although Steve will attest I probably do <laughs> you can't I, live I and die with there were a few nights game. I didn't think he was going to make it <laughs> no, talking him down off well we've talked about that <laughs> yeah. before Scott I wouldn't I, I wouldn't go there if I was you right he's got enough blackmail for if me if you were managing run. the team oh. the Orioles they would fire the whole entire team they'd <laughs> by, all be demoted by to about tax day right by the 15th of April, April. <laughs> April 15th I'd, I'd make sweeping changes Steve right. which is for some reason they don't want me to be the GM but but um Let's not leave out our the all time greatest sport curling. I mean, we are. Oh, gonna, absolutely. We're going to do a segment on curling. I mean, I curl. I mean, the, the demand we've gotten from the audience. It's got to be overwhelming to do something on curling. <laughs> it's, uh, I'd rather do one on hurling. But that's uh, <laughs> that's something uh, different. But you know, guys, there. Uh, it is true. My brother and I have talked about this. Baseball has some of the most obnoxiously boring moments it, w- w- when you just think of uh, you know the pitcher who is uh, throwing over to first base six or seven times. Yeah. And you're watching yeah. that, and you're waiting. And there's times where you're just yawning in the stands, or you're yawning at home. And all of a sudden. And then it's it's bottom of the ninth, two outs, runner on first and third. or, or you're, And it comes down to a full count. That I don't think, no, in my view, there's anything in any sport. No sport can duplicate. As dramatic as that. I agree with you. So, I, I say the same thing. You yep. know, it's, it's the whole thing. Look, yep. it, the, I always say the juice... 
uh, is worth the squeeze. There's going to be moments where you are That's squeezed yep. watching these dreadful, boring elements well, with and the you're, payoff. You're going to look back some nights and say, uh, Chris Tillman gave up just one run over seven innings, but in the fourth inning, boy, they had the bases loaded with no outs. How did he get out of that? Right. Yes. He looked like he was going to give up six. Right. And he gave up one. And so after the game, we're going to ask him about that. Yes. Did that yes. fuel you? Did that give you confidence? How did you get out of that? That was the turning point happened at 8 o'clock. Yeah. yeah. But we didn't know that at 7 o'clock. And That's some right. nights That's the turning right. point won't happen in the fourth inning. And, and, and it's yeah. fascinating how that unfolds. Yeah, yep. It's true. And, and again, I'll, I'll – I'll defend baseball, but I understand if if a person doesn't know football, they can watch a football game Agreed. and enjoy it probably yeah. a lot more than a baseball game sure. if they don't know the sport. Sure. Yeah. Because you and I know if a guy makes 12 pickoff moves to first base and he keeps that guy from stealing the base, yeah, it might make the difference in the game. If yep. we win by one run and he kept him from stealing second and maybe the next guy gets a hit and he would have scored, we can look back and say, wow, that, that made all the difference in the whole – we won the game because of that. And And don't we hold the – Unique record. Yeah, I know where, I know where Wasn't you're going it Tippy? With it. it was Tippy Martinez. Tippy yeah. Martinez. I, when was that, guys? I'm thinking late 1983. 70s. Oh, it was 83, early 80s. Yeah, right. Martinez yeah, was... DeMurray once, Martinez DeMurray twice. <laughs> That's right. De... That was That's uh, Tom, right, where Tom he, Marr. <laughs> he picked off three runners at right. first in the same He had Len Sakata catching. That's right. And so, they were so, going to try to steal yes. on him, who wasn't a catcher. And it was a very unusual situation. Uh, and in their, in their haste to get big leads and steal on Len Sakata, right. yeah. Tickby Martinez picked them off, and they never got a chance to steal the wow. base. But to make that game even better, yeah. they had already they had taken the lead in that inning, and that was the ninth inning. And yeah. then Cal, on his birthday, hit a home run to tie it. Yes. And then we won it in the tenth inning when Len Sakata, who was catching yes. by default because they had nobody left, Hits a hit a grand slam to win the game in the, wow. in the bottom. So it was it was. I, I very think one thing moment. about baseball, and I've said this to Scott many times, if fans wouldn't, if they could change places with reporters for a day or two, they would be surprised at how low key a clubhouse is. Wow! Five minutes after a game with fifty thousand fans, a walk off. And you can walk in there and you don't know they won. Wow. People would think like it's high school. They're high-fiving and chest-bumping, and they're not. They're walking yeah. and getting a bite to eat. They're calling their wives. They're doing a couple interviews. And most players are very low-key. They're yeah. not like, I, uh, you know, because they you can't. Yeah. You'll burn out by May if you, just, if you just turn every game into the World right. Series. Wow. And so you have to find the right intensity and health to stay healthy for the long haul. But when the game is over, they kind of let it go because yeah. you can't hold on to that. Yeah. You got another one tomorrow night. Wow. And, and, and Adam Jones is fond of, he just doesn't like to brag for five minutes. He's like, well, it's over. I mean, I go in tomorrow night now. Yeah, right. It's almost, right. it's almost unforgiving for a baseball player. You can't enjoy, wow, you had five RBIs. Go have a nice steak. Yeah. And, you know, I got to start thinking about getting my body ready for the next night. So, and the same when they've lost. I've been in there and you can't, and the Orioles have a devastating loss. Gave up a six run lead. Wow. And, 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 and maybe the pitcher who gave it up, you can see he's despondent. But it, it looks the same in there when they've won and when they've lost because, as Earl Weaver said, kid, we do this every night. Right, right, right. Which I will say, Steve, is, is the one thing about baseball that I love. I mean, having come off a, a tough, in our, um, our neck of the woods, a tough Ravens season, um, yeah, and, and we've talked about this, Scott. Ravens lose a, a crushing game. You got all week, and you got a week. Or if it's by, you got to wait two weeks Ugh. until they're back at it. With you know, two baseball, weeks, two it's weeks, that of, night. 
Two weeks of Greg Duster's yeah. texting. <laughs> That's right. Oh, I go into a real funk, Steve. My sermons are really bad on those. Now, now Greg, after your sermons, we normally do come out. We're high five, and it's just like a just like a big victory. I mean, we are. I don't know if you yes. notice in the parking lot. Oh, I see. People it, are jumping up and down and celebrating. I see it, man. I see it. Yeah, which is it's it, it's sort of like preaching is like football because when you bomb, you got to wait a whole week. To yeah. try to get it right again, and, and how would how would you know that, Greg? I mean, have you ever bombed? Well, I never. I mean, I'm talking about other, <laughs> other pastors that have have bombed. But I would um, I would say, if your football team see this is helping me, guys. By the way, I want to say I'm I'm renewed in my resolve to consider baseball the upper echelon. Um, <laughs> your son would be proud of you. Yes, by he the way. he would be very yes, proud. I, I actually have a question for him, Steve, which I think I answered right, but I'll confirm that with you in a moment. Um, in in baseball, uh, you know, your team can get obliterated. You know, I mean, remember the Orioles game against the Rangers years ago? It was, what, 30-3? to three? Yes. Uh, you oh. know, some horrible, which, again, I think set a record in, uh, you know, an, an unrepeatable record thus far. Uh, but the next night, you can go out and win. Typically, if your football team is getting beat that bad, it's because they're a bad team. You're a bad team. Usually. Yes. There's a few exceptions, but usually it yeah. just means your team sucks. It's more definitive. Um, yes. It means a lot more when you lose that bad in a football game. You're, yes. you're right. You're but right. a baseball thing, I mean, you can get killed 10 to 1 and go out and win, you know, 6 to yeah. 2 the next yeah. night. A pitcher has a bad night. And exactly. It looks like you're a terrible baseball team, but not necessarily true. Yes. Right, I mean, right. there's momentum, and, and but sometimes there isn't, and you just never know. You feel like, wow, I really feel like they're on a roll here. But, but I think in baseball, a roll means you win eight out of 12. Yes. You don't win six in a row. Right. I mean, some teams do. The Orioles in recent years have not been that streaky, wins no, or no, losses. not at all. Not at all. But, but in their two playoff years, it was mostly because they would get two out of three, two out of three, maybe lose a series, then get two out of three, just keep cranking out those series wins, win those close games. And you look up at the end and you have a good record. Yes, yes. And if, if I'm right, uh, Steve, the year we won in 83, it's starting to get a really long time ago, man. I was 13 then, so it's going way back. When we won, I think we had two slumps, didn't we, where we lost seven they in did. a row? They did, yeah. Two, so, yep. see, here we won it all. Seven exactly. in a row. I mean, you think, exactly. man, we you lose oh, seven in a row. Sky again, is falling. Here, yeah, and in the average baseball fan, if they if they had just started watching the Orioles and watch them lose seven in a row, they'd say, this is a terrible baseball Exactly. Game. Yeah, and you know we knew it wasn't. And yes. Well, my my nine year old son Isaac Steve asked me the other day because he's just about to start baseball mm -hmm. uh, next week. He's so excited, um, loves it. You know, it's just he he he's got a real heart for it. And he asked me, and I, I'm a little rusty on this. He said, "Dad, what is the unassisted triple play?" It's only and, happened once, which or twice. has happened what less than a handful of times. <laughs> And this is right. what this is what I guess. You guys could could tell me this right. I said I, I didn't Google it. I still haven't Googled it. But let's say you have um okay, how would this work? Say you're the second baseman and you've got um you know, bases loaded or something like that. Is this right? That it's a line drive. I yeah. think it's necessary. It's got to be a line drive. It, it, it's about the only way it could happen, is what you're saying. Yes. So that's one out. And then I think uh say the guy is who you know the guy on first is running, and you tag him to get yeah. the second out. Yeah, and then the guy on second is running back yeah. to second base, and you wing it over to second. No, you can't wait. You have you have to touch. It's unassisted. Oh, you're right. You're right. You, you, yeah, well, unassisted. Right. So you you would have to literally run over and touch second base. Well, here here's a perfect scenario. Wow. No outs. Runners on first and second. 
the infield's double play depth. So let's yep. say the second base. Let's say it's a pull right-handed hitter. Yeah. So the second baseman is not only double play depth; he's closer to the bag than normal. Yeah. And a big power hitter lines it right to him. He catches it. He's a couple steps near the bag, so catches it one out. He runs a couple steps to the bag, tags it two outs, and the guy running from first. Either you know he, he can, didn't he, he didn't get turned around fast enough, right, yes. and he's close enough to run him down and tag him out three outs, unassisted triple play, which yes. which Ron Hansen did once for the Orioles. Uh, for the wow. Orioles, the year I believe he won the Rookie of the Year. I remember him telling the story. I'm not sure if it unfolded exactly that way, but that would be a prime scenario yeah. where you could you could see yeah. that happen. And, wow. and, but it almost has to be like the. The runners are going on the pitch. Exactly. Exactly. And now there's a line drive. It's caught, right. and they're way off the base. It, right. it has to be unique circumstances right. for that to happen. Yeah, that it's like an inside-the-park home run. Right. Yeah, technically there are inside-the-park home runs, but it always has to be the ball hits the wall and caroms 40 feet in a goofy direction yeah. where nobody's around. And, you know, and that, that's, that is kind of the same yeah. way with an unassisted triple play. Which, which kind of prompts me to, to get a little local here for a moment. You guys think uh, I could put good eyes? Odds on Matt Weeders maybe not getting an inside the park home run I, sometime this yeah. season. Except <laughs> Probably so. Boog yeah. Powell did it once. Did, right. No way. Yes, right. yes, he did. Wow. In, in Seattle. Wow. You can look it up. 1969, he hit an inside the park. Uh, Unbelievable. Oh, right. Boog yeah. Powell of all yeah. people. But Boog, Boog could not do that in recent I days. I don't think so. I, I, I've seen Boog over at the barbecue pit. And I think those days of inside he the can make it from gone. one barbecue pit to the other, <laughs> but that's about it. In his in his early years, he was a smaller player, yeah. and he actually played some left field for a while yeah, there, in addition to first base. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, thank you. So you know what? I got it wrong. I didn't even think of the because I'm I, I'm thinking how hard it would be just to get a triple play, and but an unassisted where you get right. all of the outs yourself. Yeah, so, okay, I have to go back to Isaac and correct that. That scenario would be a lot easier to get a non-assisted triple yeah. play. Let's say the runners are going. Yeah. They line it right to Machado near the bag. He catches it for one out, throw to second for two, back to first right. three, yeah. around the horn before the runners could get back. Right. Would be another way to do that. Um, and so uh, that's very rare. I don't know how many there have been in the history of the game. I bet uh, we could look it up pretty rare. I rest. think it happened recently. I think it happened in the last year I think or two. it did, okay. too, yeah. which is why it came up. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, and there are, every now and then, I was at a game in, I, I want to say, 71 or 72, when I saw a, a true round-the-horn triple play. And it was, yeah. Brooks was playing third to Gritch to, I guess it was Powell. And, yeah. And it was it was just a ground ball to third. Yeah. And there was runners at first and second with nobody out. And Brooks touched third through to second and then Gritch threw to first to Powell. And it was a round-the-horn triple play, just yeah. like a double play, only an extra out at the beginning of it. So yeah. that was a true, uh, pure triple play. No right. no guys running on the pitch or anything like that. It was just a – so that was kind of neat. And I've, I've only seen one triple play. Wow. Yeah, I've never seen one live. <clears throat> never I've, seen I've a no-hitter. Never I, seen right, no right, yeah, not too many of those. But I caught one foul ball in my life. Nice. Yeah. Rick Dempsey <laughs> hit it, and I got a contract. Remember Rex Barney? Oh, yes. Give that fan a give contract. Well, I got a contract. contract. They actually came over and gave me this little mock contract. Wow. So I got a contract that basically said for, you know, for ex- exemplary fielding or whatever. You know, it was kind of goofy, <laughs> but I have great. it somewhere. It's probably buried in a box somewhere in my house. But uh, That is... Uh, Scott, I see hope for you as a second career. Yeah. You know, I, I still think there's yeah, time. There's a lot of teams looking for 50, <laughs> 55-year-old guys that are out of shape to play baseball. 
Over True. 50 teams are looking for you. Yes, right. yes, for sure. Uh, one question I, I told a, a friend that you were going to be on tonight, and he wanted me to ask you this. I have to make sure I do. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, do you ever picture Major League Baseball getting a salary cap like the NFL has, or basketball has a modified version of it? I I don't foresee that anytime soon because okay. I think there are several reasons for it. A chief among them is the players' union is the strongest, in my opinion, players' union in pro sports, um, and and they're just they're just uh, they would fight against it and they would not allow that to happen. And the other thing that's happened, interestingly enough, in the last five or ten years is the competitive balance in baseball has been really good. We're in an era where the Kansas City Royals and the New York Mets, who had middle-level payrolls, yeah, played in true. the World Series, and the Pittsburgh Pirates can make the playoffs, and the Orioles with a mid-level payroll can make the playoffs. The Tampa Bay Rays have beaten out the Yankees and the Red Sox. Yeah. In some respects, baseball's competitive balance is better than the New England Patriots being an AFC championship well, game every year. Great point. In football, which has a salary cap. So baseball's done a good job of somehow – uh, there was a time when the Yankees and Red Sox always won, but those yeah. days are over in the American League East, and it's good for the game to have Kansas City be able to win it, uh, and the biggest payrolls aren't guaranteed to win every year. Very true. Yeah, the Very sport true. is thriving without a salary cap. Yes. It's thriving. It's true. Yep. So uh, It's true. Why fix well, it if it's not broken? And, and, and am I yeah. right? There's so much pressure. I'm, I'm sure, because in just a moment here, I want to make sure we get at least a couple of uh, thoughts in on uh, Adam LaRoche, who has been in the news the last two or three weeks in light of his, uh, you know, um, retirement issue. But we'll 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 talk about that. Um, And now I'm losing my train of thought. See this great podcasting salary cap salary cap. Oh, uh, is there pressure, guys, for players? Because I you know players (laughs) look at their bankroll. Yeah, they look back, oh, man, I've made uh, $77 million in the last X amount of years. Uh, I'm up for a new contract. Um, You know they they could take less money, but they tend not to. And is that because of the unions? There's so much pressure. You can't set that precedent. Because uh, it'll punish other guys. What, what do you think that's about? Uh, you can. I mean, look at J.J. Hardy. A couple of years ago, he was weeks away from free agency yeah. at a time when fans thought the Yankees losing Derek Jeter would go sign J.J. Sure, Hardy. Yeah. And there were Oriole fans convinced he was going to be the Yankee shortstop. And he took a reasonable team-friendly contract. Yeah. To stay in Baltimore two weeks before he could have been a free agent. It was during the playoffs this happened. True. So, I mean, uh, it happens. Uh, sure, I think there's some pressure in the union and in the game. We made this game great for the players by going for the dollar. So, most guys do go for the dollar, and you can't be a free agent until you have six years. Chris Davis, for the first time, yep. could be it. So, you feel like I've worked all my life to get. To the point where I'm a quote free agent and I'm going to play this for all I can. And so it's their right um, because Manny Machado last year made the major league minimum and hit 35 home runs. Right. So by his performance, he was well underpaid. But that's the rules of the game. When you're a zero to three player in seniority, you get paid a lot less. His payday is obviously coming here pretty soon. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, an example of what Steve was talking was Dexter Fowler. Right. I mean, in. From our vantage point, he dissed the Orioles. Yeah. We wanted him. 
But he went back to Chicago, and he's making he's going to make less money yes. there yeah. than he was going to make for the Orioles. And there's a part of me that said, you know, my first reaction was, oh, man, we really wanted this guy in right field. It'll yeah. be our leadoff hitter. But then there's a part of me that it's kind of refreshing that a guy went to a team with all his teammates again. Right. And he's got a chance to win the World Series. Not that he didn't have a chance to win here. Sure. He did. But, you know, they're, they're on the verge of something great there. Oh, absolutely. Something historic. They yep. haven't won the World Series in, what, 72,000 years yeah. or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean. I it, think even longer than it, that. It might but, yeah. be. Mm. So, but, I mean, it was, real, it, it, it was kind of refreshing to hear a guy go back to his, his hometown team, yeah. team that he'd play with, and be with his buddies and try to win. I think there's something great about that. You know? Right. I, I, I am amazed at people that will walk away from a good team to, for a, a – you know, a, a fraction more money when they're already, you know, filthy rich beyond their wildest dreams and go to a lousy team and right. finish out their career and make a little bit more money and play for a bad team that has no shot to win. Agreed. And I, I love, I love Messina. I mean, uh, yeah, Marke- oh, I love big. No, there. I love Markakis. I'm sorry. My, yeah. my bad there. But I love Nick Markakis. But he kind of did that. I know. He left a team that had a chance to win. Now he's with the Atlanta Braves, who are rebuilding. Yeah. They were terrible last year. They're not yeah. going to be good this year. Right. He may never win anything with them. Why would you leave a team? You know, I know it's less money, but good grief. He still was going to get $35 million from the Orioles or something like right. that. Right. Actually, uh, Scott, I think it was only 33 30, and oh. that's that's hard well, to make there, that makes you know, difference. I mean, thirty three yeah. million. I mean, that was only over three years. I mean, what's he going to do when that contract ends? Right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like I mean, tongue it's firmly a, in cheek. Uh, an, an, un, an unspoken part of the game that's not so much said about is the minor league guys, who literally, if you took the hours they work, they they don't make minimum wage. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Some of the low these guys might play for a thousand dollars a month. Uh, when the major league minimum for one day might be twenty five hundred or three grand. Wow! I've literally had minor leaguers who I know well called up to the Orioles, tell me, Steve, if I can just stay in the big leagues for three weeks, I can get out of debt. You wow! Because they pile up fifty grand debt trying yeah. to follow their dream. Sure. Be a minor league player who has to cut lawns in the winter and work as whatever. Uh, because they go broke. They have right. they, these these minor league kids. Some of them live with host families. Yeah. They room together. They eat McDonald's. Yeah. They eat whatever they can afford for five dollars. They get twenty dollars a day meal money. Uh, I mean, it's the it's it's going from the wow. outhouse to the penthouse. It's, yes, it's really. From the bottom of the barrel to the top. Now you're on a charter plane. Wow. Your $100 a day meal money. You're staying at the Ritz Carlton. Yeah. One, one to a room, not four to a room. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's so, the disparity is stark. Wow. They can send $10 million a year and you get meal money. I was going to say, the meal, meal money. Because you couldn't straight. possibly afford to buy your own meals. Right. For $10 million right. A year. Now wait, get, am you, I right on that? So $100 a game? A day, meal money. So that's 162 here, do that math for me, Scott. Um, oh, don't ask. Sixteen me. grand. Is that, yeah. is that sixteen grand? Probably. That's well, your they, meal money. Well, they're, they're not on. They don't get it at home. They six. get it on the road. Oh, okay, okay. So they get it on the road. Six, what's so, that? so eighty-one hundred. Right. They get okay. <laughs> eighty-one hundred dollars. Right. A lot of people would say, "Can I just have your meal money?" Yeah. Man, I could put on a and new deck. I mean, deck they're, they're or staying in big city, not, and again, no one's feeling sorry for them. For but sure. you're in you're in New York, where breakfast is forty dollars. Of course, yeah. So it's a little different than being in in. So, uh, yeah, with traveling with the Ironbirds to uh, Williamsport, Pennsylvania, right. where you can get the two fifty breakfast uh, in, the, in the Holiday Inn. So, yeah. so it's a little different, but still, it's a uh, it's the difference between how these players coexist here 
in the minors and here in the majors. Yes. So you you don't think we're going to bump into Chris Davis at the local taco? Yeah. Bar <laughs> you you might bump into Chris Davis there. You might. He's down to home, good. down to earth, dude. Yes. Hey, uh, same with uh, our own local Joe Flacco. Remember when he got his big hundred yeah. million dollar contract? Remember he said he and his wife went to uh, McDonald's, McDonald's to celebrate. Right. I was like, does that mean he bought the McDonald's? No, I think he just got like a Big Mac or something and got a hot fudge Sunday with nuts as his uh, bonus. Um, speaking of this, just uh, you know, before we kind of uh, wrap up here, Steve wanted to get your take. Uh, my wife weighed in on this one because she had strong, surprisingly passionate feelings about this story with uh, Adam LaRoche. Uh, of course, I knew him. I mean, he's played for several teams, but he was mm-hmm. with the uh, with the Washington Nats for a couple of years, and then he went to the White Sox last year. Did not have a good season. Um, his son, I believe his name is Drake, if I think so. You uh, think you're right. Have that right. Uh, as of last year and in previous clubs, his son um, is homeschooled and has come with him to work every day, has come with him to the ballpark. Um, from what I heard, the um, the other teammates, at least that's what they're saying, love the kid, You know, did not think he was a nuisance or uh, you know uh, uh, annoying presence. Um, LaRoche was scheduled to make $13 million this year to play yep. for the White Sox. And um, his owner said, um, you know, hey, he, he can't be there every game. And they, if I have this right, they even said, you know, maybe 50% of the time. But there has to be some drop-off. And uh, he walked away from the game. Just uh, your your thoughts on that story, Steve. Well, what a complex story because, I mean, baseball, you boil it down to fathers and sons, and it doesn't get better than that. A father sure. and a son playing yeah. catch on the yard, you Field know, of dreams talk right going to Little League. So um, um, it's, it's such a complex issue because we can expand it to the workplace. Uh, in any of our workplaces, how would it be if, if the guy next to you had his son his with him all day? That's what my wife said. And, and, and I think – and some players weren't going to speak out against him, but people in the game say, you know, they, they probably just did this too much. I mean, the young, you know, guys were in line to eat their post-game meal and the kids in front of him filling his plate. Right. And, you know, he had his own locker. And, I mean, how far do you take this? So, right. so uh, while um, it, I feel bad for the kid most of all because now he goes through life with this burden that he, uh, he I, yeah. his situation made his dad make these tough decisions. And, and none of us is close enough to it to really know exactly what all happened sure. and how it played out. But, um, you know, in the Oriole Clubhouse, it's very different. Most of their kids are so young. Yeah. A lot of them have babies, so you see infants in there sometimes after the game. Huh. Uh, but usually it's very limited. And I don't see him in batting practice or before the game or in the meal line. And it sounded like Drake was just really, he was almost like one of the players, you know, yeah. he was so involved. And so very complicated situation that didn't end well, and so sadly. Yeah. Do you uh, think it's true? I, I've heard this. Let's say uh, last year uh, LaRoche hits 280 with uh, 32 homers. Uh, do they come out with that same policy? Maybe not. You're maybe right. not. <laughs> yeah. And here's the interesting thing. We're talking about meal money. The players work under a collective bargaining agreement where all the, a lot of this is hashed out. You must stay in a certain level hotel. You can only play so many consecutive days on the road. You will get this meal money. You must travel this way. That, you know, it's all, but there is no, aren't rules yeah. governing this. And like some players have said to me, you, you kind of self-police it. Yeah. Like if some players, hey man, you know, you know the kids in line. I'm trying to get my dinner here, you yeah. know. So, um, uh, and I think here you have a respected veteran leader sure. who might be treated differently with his child than a rookie 
if he had a kid in there every day, say, hey, man, can he, he yeah. leave the kid home one night? We're trying to get worked on here. So nothing against the children, and, 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 and a father and a son doesn't get more loving than that. So what a tough scenario. It is. It is. What, yeah. are, what are your I, thoughts, Scott? I tend to agree with management on this. I yeah. mean, I, I, you just, you know, I, you have to make it, you, you have to kind of paint the broad picture. What if every player wanted to bring his son yeah. in the locker room? Yeah, and, and what if every kid isn't? A good cooperative kid. Exactly. So, yeah. uh, you know, and again, I don't know enough about it. If Steve doesn't know enough about it to really make it, I, I certainly don't. Yeah. But but my gut, my my first reaction was, you know, come on, Adam LaRoche. You, you can't bring your kid to the ballpark every single day and expect yeah. him to have a locker. He's no different than any other kid. It's great that you love your kid. I mean, that's that's wonderful. But my, it just seemed to be overkill to me. Yeah. And maybe there's some kind of policy the team could come up with where, hey, you know, you can bring your kid this day, and you can bring your sure. kid that. You know, something could be worked yeah. out. Where it, it just seemed to me like the end result was of, of two very uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for stubborn people that wouldn't uh, to come up with. There had to be a solution Seem to that this, way. rather than right. a guy walking away from a 13 million dollar yeah. contract, or and the, and or it, it, you know, it didn't have to be A or B. There had to, there could be some mix in there. Right. Where, all right, you know, like, guess what? You can bring your kid, you know, two days a week, three days yeah. a week, something like that. It well, sounds like, sound like that's what that they out. were asking. Just scale it back a little bit. Mm-hmm. No one's saying, uh, you know, the young man can't be there or he's not welcome or people don't like him. Um, but maybe it's just it's just too much. And right. so the only people who truly know that are the people who are in, directly involved in it. And it's too bad it kind of ended this way. And so uh, uh, some reporters have said this, this the narrative on the White Sox season has now been written. Either A, they fell apart when this happened in spring training, or B, they galvanized yes. as a unit when this happened in spring right. and it carried them to great heights. Right. So either, if they've do real well or do real badly, they're going to point back and say, this is when it came to part no or this is when it came together. And yeah. sometimes adversity like that can bring teams together. Yeah, we'll have to check in on that around September 1st or something exactly. just to get a sense exactly. of how their, their season went. Because uh, a lot of people have said, man, you got to respect the guy. And I, I do see that. I want Because he walked away from $13 million. Yeah. And the other side of that is, how much had he made prior to that? Right, he could walk right. Don't need a telethon. Because I want to say right now, again, I've mentioned my trustees. and If my trustees tell me that I can't see my kids for six months for $13 million, I won't see my kids for six months. But I'll just leave it at that. Now, yeah. now how, Fact, I'll do that for $5 million. And I think you would get Lisa's blessing. <laughs> right. I really do. Say, Go. If you come home if, six if I see you in, If I see you in, in six months, you're dead. We're done. <laughs> Very true. Very true. But uh, just, yeah, very interesting. But I love your point, um, Steve, about the fathers and sons. Yeah. What guy that isn't a baseball romantic, oh. like I know the three of us are, wasn't moved by the you know iconic Costner scene at the end of Field of oh, Dreams? Yeah. Oh. I mean, hey, you want to have a catch, man? I tear up even yeah, thinking about too. it. I mean, it is just the— and You know, the, the Orioles, uh, it, it's very true. Like I said, the only time I see kids in the Oriole clubhouse is usually post-game. And they're usually just by their locker with their dad. Yeah. And sometimes it is an infant. The wife is out. Sure. And, and, the, and the husband brings the infant into the clubhouse so teammates can see the baby or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And you see that a lot. I mean, Melvin Moore used to have the five-seater <coughs> stroller right. when the quintuplets wow. were born. Wow, that's right. And Giselle, his that. wife, and, and would have a helper, and they'd be pushing this five-seater stroller in the hallway at Camden wow. Yards. And Melvin would always show us pictures with pride and just say, yeah. my babies, look at my babies, my babies. And 
I mean, you know, what a proud man uh, wow. uh, of, of those kids. So the Orioles are close-knit. I think they all know each other's kids. Uh, it's not for media guy. That's not our place yeah. to be talking to someone's son or, sure. or, you know, outside of a little friendly wave or something if it, if it happens. But uh, they're close-knit. They got a lot of young kids. And whenever I see them in there, it's usually in a post-game scenario. Right. Yes. I think Cal spent a lot of time um, – uh, at Memorial Stadium, when the when the Orioles when he was before he played, oh yeah, right. with yeah. his father, yeah, with his dad, and, yeah. sure. Yeah. I think he did. But you I, I know, Senior would never let him no, quote be wouldn't. in the way no, he right. of a player doing his job. Cal you know how he thought yeah. it was okay to, if my son to tag along, so to speak, but he wasn't going to impede no. anything we're doing as an no, Oriole team. Cal Senior was all business. He was business. I I, he I, was. That's true, and he had that. Um, I had that rep. Well, man, guys, this has flown by. Just, just final couple of minutes here uh, to get a little local. And uh, thank you guys for keeping this a little more broad tonight because, I, oh, man, I really, whenever I have Steve Scott, as you know, I want to talk all Orioles, uh, particularly after last season, which uh, we ended up with a 500 average, literally 81-81. Thank uh, the Lord for that final streak at the end. Five Some games. people say, why thank the Lord for that? But I did. Uh, five <laughs> straight games against the Yankees, which mm-hmm. were, you know, at that point um, – yeah, well, I, I I won't comment on that. But at least we didn't have a losing season. But it definitely disappointed. Um, Steve, I'll start with you. What do you think of the Orioles' chances in the AL East? I mean, it's a wide-open division. I mean, yeah. any one of these teams, we could see reasons to pick them, yep. and we could come up with reasons that they are going to not perform well. And so it's going to be fascinating to watch it play out. With the Orioles, we've been saying it all winter, how the starting pitching goes is probably going to tell the tale. That unit, to me, is under the most pressure because they are going to score a lot of runs. They are going to play good defense. They are going to have a good bullpen. Yeah. They do have an excellent manager. But will they get starting pitching? And most of the predictions have been not very optimistic for this team yeah. when reporters and analysts look at that and the years some guys had last year and, and look at the spring some of them had was not good. Yeah. For sure. So there's um, concerns going into it, and the pitchers, to me, are going to have to prove to a lot of people that yeah. they're better than they're, we're being told they are. Is, is it fair to say that we're sort of a mirror image or inverse, however you would call it, of a team like Tampa, uh, which, which, again, just notoriously weak hitting, right? but exceptionally consistent pitching? Yeah. It almost seems like we're... And the know, funny thing is, for years, I thought... Uh, the Royals last year, and you can go look this up, their team ERA in the American League for starters was 10th or 12th, I want to say. Really? Which uh, I didn't think you could win the World Series 10th or 12th. Wow, I thought yeah. you had to at least be in the middle of the pack or higher. And two years ago when the Orioles won the East, their rotation ERA was 5th, and last year was 14th. So the Orioles are going to have to be a lot closer to 5th yes. than 14th. And if they are at the end of the year, I bet you they'll have a good chance to be in the postseason. And and what the Royals did last year with what was mostly a shaky rotation is an outlier. We're not going to see that a lot. And the Royals had an offense that could put the ball in play and yes. do a lot of variety of things and a great defense. And so they, they made clutch plays. But you're usually going to have to pitch better uh, than the Royals did last year, and certainly the Orioles did. Yes. Yes. Scott? Well... I, you know, I again, I think the division's wide open, just yep. like Steve just said. I, I really think you could you could pick any team and be just as right as the next guy. Yeah. Um, the part that really aggravates me is when I, I look at this Oriole team and I think, well, the starting pitching clearly is the question. 
can they bounce back from an off year last year? But if you go back, I mean, the, the two biggest the two biggest problems for the Orioles starting staff last year were Tillman and Gonzalez. Yeah, they both took a major step backwards. Yeah, but for three years in a row before last year, they were good starting pitchers. Oh, absolutely not. Not top flight, but yeah. but good, Consistent. solid starting pitching. Yeah. So you can't just say they're going to be like they were last year. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. They replaced Chen with Gallardo, and Gallardo's numbers are just as good as Chen's. Agreed. He could, you know, if you want to call that. <laughs> so let's just say, for argument's sake, that, that, that the starting pitching doesn't improve at all. Yeah. It's exactly like it was last year. We won 81 games last year. Clearly, we've improved the offense. Oh, we we added we added two potential thirty home runs, sixty home runs. Sure. You've added in, in uh, Alvarez mm-hmm. and Trumbo, and now, we have a healthy Weeders, hopefully, and a healthy Weed and a healthy Hardy. Yeah, right, right. and a healthy Scope. Right. So, how anybody can say we're going to win sixty nine or seventy games? I just don't understand where that's coming from. Mind you, another part of our rotation last year was Bud Norris for half the year, who was terrible. Oh, right, right. We won half the year with no DH. Yep. Per, uh, uh, Paredes started off decent, and then he, he we didn't get anything out of no. DH for the whole second half of the year. Well, we got a bona fide power hitter as a DH now in, yep. in, in, in uh, Alvarez. Alvarez, so, absolutely. <clears throat> so to, say, to think we're going to win 69 or 71 games, I don't buy that at all. Yeah. I mean, I think clearly this team could win 90 or 92 games. I don't think that is a stretch at all. Now, whether that's good enough to win the division, I don't know. Sure. But it's amazing to me that the Red Sox had one guy. They can be predicted to go from last to first. Well, they finished last two years in a row. Right. we got to count that for something. Right. And they have improved and all that, but but – you know, to me, it's a stretch to think they're just going to go from last to first. Right. And the yeah, look at the Yankees, and I think it, it, a Rod and and uh, uh, what's his name at first base? I can't. I'm drawing a blank. Teixeira. Teixeira. Yeah. Um, they carried it. They had great years. These guys are getting older. I mean, can they do that again this year? Yeah. And yeah. Sabathia, he hasn't done anything, and they're they're wondering if he's going to be their fifth starter. Right. Now, I don't know if he's actually won that job or not, but I don't know. There's a guy making yeah. twenty five million dollars a year, and he may not be on. He may not be able to start. He's not good enough. Wow. You know. So they got major issues. Tampa doesn't hit. Toronto lost Price. Right. I mean, nobody talks about the fact that they lost their ace. Right. You know. So every team, it, we, yeah. there's a lot of questions up and down. Just to me, thinking that the Orioles are going to win 10 less games this year doesn't make any sense. I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah, I, I think your math there that you did, Scott, is, uh, is very telling. And, and am I right on this, Steve? Wasn't, wasn't Adam Jones playing hurt last year, but he sort of kept that Banged hush-hush. up. Definitely banged up. Yeah. I mean, he played fewer games than he's played in many years. He right. still played a lot. Yeah. But we're used to seeing him play 160, not 140 or whatever. So. Right. Yeah. Played very banged up, and so I think Hart... still Hart, had a you know, decent year. It wasn't a horrible decent year. Decent year, yeah, not as good as he's used to. He yeah. got off to an incredible start, if you remember, in right. April. Right, I, I do. April he looked like great. he was going to be the league MVP, and it and bottomed out for him. So, you know, you, some guys are going to get hurt on all the teams. Yes. There'll be varying injuries that we can't predict now. Um, you know, like the Yankees are counting on this Luis Severino's 22-year-old arm. Right. And the guy's pitched probably 150 innings in his life, double-A, uh, triple-A. Yeah. So, I mean, he's been rushed. He was very, very good last year. He looks like he's really good. He yeah, yeah. If he's as good as he was last year, they got a great one. Yes. But sometimes these kids who look great in their first 10 starts, right. they they fall back to a four-and-a-half, five ERA. Yeah. And I think they're counting a lot on this Severino kid. 
Their uh, bullpen, though. I mean, well, I yeah, mean, ours, great. ours great. is nothing to uh, no, you know scoff at either. We've got an uh, uh, excellent bullpen, but that combination, Batonsis Miller. Oh man! Oh yeah! I mean, uh, and then add Chapman in. There. Oh, and Chapman in there, who's I'd say a fairly decent pitcher. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He can hit what one hundred and three on the. He's suspended for the first. What is it? 30, 40 games first or something? Thirty-four 30 games. games. And I looked. Uh, yeah. We have a series with them at the end of the month within series. that time frame. So right. that'd be nice to 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 miss him our first time through. Um, yep. Well, guys, this was great, man. Just uh, I am all baseballed up. I hope that our uh, our fans, many of them are big baseball fans, uh, will uh, you know have their uh, fires kind of lit because of this. And uh, again, you can hear Steve, uh, 105.7, the fan. Uh, now, you're not on a regular show, but Steve, every time I turn on the radio, I hear you. So, <laughs> I'm as a guest a lot. Yes. I mean, you're, you're a guest on many shows. I'm an easy mark. That's obvious. Yes, yes. And uh, uh, easy to get. And writes an excellent blog, really does, on uh, Mass and Sports. All of that is in our show notes. Scott, as I was saying, I'm sorry, you and I just don't have the credentials. Um but we should do a blog, though, that like you and I read each other's blogs. Oh, so we, we could. We, we, <laughs> yeah, our texts are almost. Yes. Yeah. Well, we have, no, we can't put everything in the text on the you blog. You guys <laughs> have pretty good credentials for what you do, and you're pretty good fans, too. So, well, we, you kind of, you're not, uh, overmatched here talking baseball i can Man. tell you that well we love it we love it steve and love love having you on and again like last year hope to have you back later in the season as uh you know we'll for a check-in just see how mid-season we're doing. update absolutely yeah. absolutely and hey, hey is this one of the honestly is opening day a great time oh it's, and it's not just that it's the first baseball it, it just to me it's like summer's coming summer's coming Spring in full swing. It really is like the beginning of life, like some people talk about. It It really is. is. It is a great time. April 4th for us, uh, Monday, April 4th, right, against Minnesota? And the season actually opens Sunday night. Uh, There's a couple games Sunday. That's right. That's right. I think the Mets Mets, Kansas City, uh, a rematch. Tampa Bay and Toronto, I think, play Sunday, too. And and hopefully the Orioles can beat the Twins one game this year. Which they didn't at all last year. You're right. 0-7. You're right. We need to Might as well get it out of the way early, right? Just take them off. Get that first win. That's bizarre. So bizarre against the Twins. Well, gentlemen, that was a blast, and uh, we just rocked the Casbah. These go to 11.